Hi. Hey, you're in both ears now. Okay, that's way better. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, um, Stevie is just putting Pharaoh to bed, so Diener and I will start off the podcast until she's all done her motherly duties. Mm-hmm. That's a-okay. So we, um, your podcast, like you came on when we first started and it was so well received. So we're really excited because you have so much going on at the Lacey Ranch. We're really excited to catch up with you today and kind of get a update chat. I was going to make a well-received joke about like Hermes, the podcast is like Hermes. <laughs> well, I was like, wait. either I left you guys hanging the last time and you needed me back to explain further or it was good enough. You wanted more. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it was really good. I really like that podcast. And you were one of our first ones. Yep. I feel mm-hmm. like so we are a little shaky. <laughs> and we probably, we probably are again because we haven't been podcasting as often. But yeah. But you know what I feel like since we did that? Like, when I came on the first time, I hadn't yet been doing embryo transfers. You guys hadn't quite been breeding mares yet. So we've all experienced a lot in the last few years and Mm -hmm. um, just had a lot more firsthand experience, all of us, to talk about mares and breeding and that sort of thing. Growth. And it is, uh, tis the season for breeding and stuff. So (laughs) it'll be awesome to really dive into that for this episode. I I love it when Steph says tis the season. It's like whenever she wants to like celebrate something or drink, she's like, the excuse is tis the season. Like, (laughs) tis a Tuesday, tears. Yeah. Yeah. Especially during Christmas. Like you just see her pour a big old glass of eggnog and she's like, well, tis the season. Like, (laughs) yeah. I got it. I Christmas hard all year long, too. It's so funny. I love it. It's awesome. So are you guys still fairly snowy in Teepee Creek as well? Well, the snow had melted, but I woke up this morning and it's snow and slop and disgusting again. Yeah. The same thing happened last year, end of April. I remember it being close to minus 20 and mares waxing and ready to pull. And I keep telling myself I'm not going to have mares or babies in April again. Mm -hmm. But... In order to not have babies in April, you need to not breed till June. And it seems like yeah. you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And if you don't breed in June, you're, like your window is so small if they don't catch the first time to yeah. get them still in a reasonable time frame. Yeah. And so you guys do have one full on the ground, correct? We have one on the ground, yes, a Palomino filly. If you have a color in a filly right off the bat, it's like hitting the jackpot. Because last year I had six colts born before I got a filly. So <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That was a treat. And it's actually a mare. Um, she's very closely related to Rip and Lady and Flurry, cool. who Vanessa Leggett did really well on, and Springsteen, who Bailey Stanton has. Um, and we got her from Devon Roots and... She's a big, solid mare that goes back to Tiny Gay, actually. And I think that kind of is what is that magic cross with Hula Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Kessler bought her. So that's Kessler's project and baby that Kessler's going to sell and try and oh, make a little cool, money cool. and put towards next year's stud fee and that sort of thing. Oh, sweet. Starting them young. I like it. Yep. Getting them addicted. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, get it, letting them learn... Uh, I guess the cost of everything and the work that goes in, they might change their mind and figure out it's too much work. It's easier to just go buy something, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And if people don't know, Kessler is your daughter, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's like really cool that you're teaching her at such a young age, like how to manage your money, how to become horse poor, how not to become <laughs> horse poor. These are great <laughs> lessons to learn. <laughs> well, it also is, it eliminates the factor of, I don't want to help with chores. Yeah. Well, you have to, it's not optional. Do you want a horse you or do you not? Yeah. 
Oh, that's awesome. And um, so is it it's full swing falling here right away or do you have a little break before they start again? Well, I have one that was due the 17th of April that hasn't sold yet. Okay. The one that did full wasn't due till May 1st. And then I have nine others due in May. So May is going to be Ooh. super busy. That is a lot of babies to have in like 30 days. Yeah. yeah. Especially, especially with this weather, right? Like, yeah. If it was above zero at night and not a puddle of slop and mess, if one happened to be born in the middle of the night and I didn't have the mare in the barn, it'd probably be okay. But in, in this, it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. No. So you guys, you have a lot going on there. Like your your daughters are into trick riding. They're into barrel racing. Your It's breeding season now too. Obviously, they go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, how How do you guys manage everything that's going on there? We don't. (laughs) (laughs) We don't. I like that. We just barely get by every day. Honestly, I think there's going to be a time when I look back on this and be like, we were insane. Like, why did we take on so much? Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, we try and prioritize. Like, I looked at my calendar tonight and I was like, okay, they've got this, this, this they need to go to. Um, Then June, I'm not letting them do anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, like there's rodeos they should be trick riding at, like Lee Park in June. But I told them they're gonna have to sit those shows out because I can't be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the high school rodeos, most of them are within an hour of home, so I can nice. take Sawyer there and come home at night and still check cameras, that sort of thing. Um, but it's certainly not easy to manage all of it. They're little rock stars in the barrel saddle too. Like not yeah. only trick riding, I see you've been making some posts. They've been having awesome runs in Teepee Creek and. The one of them on a hula baby to boot? Yeah, Sawyer moved up to Seeker. Registered name is Truth for Lies. She's a French hula guy out of a hated little pet daughter, so a cutting money earner. And Sawyer's been doing really well with her. So she was bred by Jody Newdorf, actually. And then she spent her fraternity year with Renee LeClerc, and I got her last spring, and I sent her to Taylor Cherry to run last year. And she's Started out placing at pretty much every derby she went in. She set an arena record at Katrina Berry's there in um, just White north Lock. of Fairview. Yeah, yeah. And she was doing really good, but she had her tied by the fence, and one of my geldings kicked her in the stifle repeatedly, and she got a little sore. So I ended up giving her the rest of summer off, and then I sent her out to tell Flewelling to head on this this winter, and we just got her back like a month ago. Oh yeah. So Sawyer's kind of just getting to know her, but she's um, she's the right kind of fit for a mare like that. She just jockeys her and has fun. Yeah, yeah, it looks awesome. And uh, Kessler too. She's ripping on her on her on her big dark horse. Yeah. Oh, well, that horse came from Crystal Shaw originally. Um, Crystal Shaw had featured him and pro rodeoed on him a little bit. We Ooh. got him. I found him originally for Shayla Foley, who I was coaching at the time. And Shayla ran him, and then Shayla sold him to Alyssa Hawk. And when Kessler was looking for a faster horse, I I knew that he was maybe available and just down the road from me. So yeah. I just kept bugging him and bugging him, and finally I got the go ahead that she would let him let us buy him. Oh, cool! And he's like the best fit ever. He's nineteen this year, but Kessler just she just ran a fifteen nine on him in CP. That's wicked. Yeah, and I seen some pictures of her too. She's just giving her. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love yeah, that. she has to earn it. Like, if she doesn't ride him, he'll be a 17. But she's at the point now I can be like, okay, if you want to be faster, you got to 
hang on to your rein a little longer till he finishes the barrel or she's whipping him to fur. She's whipping him home. <laughs> giving her. Cowgirl. So yeah. your, your girls are killing it. So what are you riding? Oh, well, this is a very good question. Cause every time I get something, it seems to get stolen, which any mom with teenage girls or young girls knows what that's like. Yeah. Um, so I spent the winter, I rode a few client horses and then I spent the winter starting two of my own personal horses. So, one of them was committed leader, the stud. Mm-hmm. So, so he's cool. a two, two-year-old epic leader out of UX committed to fame, um, who Hallie Hansen did well on in the States, now owned by Jody Newdor. And then I also started a hula guy two-year-old, that apprentice hula guy, out of one of our Tracey's mares, Lightning SR. Okay. Oh, cool. And, and then I rode a few outside horses. So I was riding about five a day, which I feel like was definitely enough when I still had 30 head on site to do chores for. Yeah. But I'm lucky the arena is so close. So I'll, I do my chores and I load up, head to the arena. I'm, I'm not very quick. I find I'm an hour a horse and I, I can't get it done any quicker. Yeah. <laughs> no that's matter, me too. No matter how, yeah. I can't get it done any quicker, but it, it was manageable. Yeah. Um, so what, okay, we can cut this part out too, but did you have that like Trace Ace mare that was like Trace Ace on the top side and bottom side? And did you sell, did you sell that one? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I had doubles and I had sold her. She's actually, I still have her at my place. I got her going on barrels this winter and sold her down to Texas. Cool. Yeah. I, I remember so when like, you brought her I, up, she looked freaking cool. She is cool and she's going to be nice. Um, but I have three Trace Ace mares, and I flushed two embryos out of her last year. Yeah. And she's four. You know what? She's finer bones than my other Trace Ace mares, mm-hmm. and she's sound, but I felt like she was going to do better in a climate that wasn't so harsh. Yeah. 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 And by that, I mean we're 40 in the summer, and then we're minus 55 in the winter, and then it rains the next day, and then we have ice, and they're walking on ice, and she's a, she's a very, very racy fine bones. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't having trouble with her, but I felt like, eh, yeah, if you she's not to bred pay. to be hardy. Yeah. And yeah. you have to make that call, right? Especially in Northern Well, Alabama. and I knew also, <laughs> yeah. I know what hula guy throws. She's going to cross fantastic with hula guy. Yeah. Um, they're, he always throws big bone babies. Um, but I have two coming out of her. And so I sold her and got a five-year-old super stakes hula guy mare. Hula oh, guy I've out of a streak of fling there. Mm-hmm. So I got her instead. So are you so, planning you know on running? Oh, running yeah. Her? So that's going to be your barrel horse, maybe. Yeah. Cause like I'm wondering, like, when, like, yeah, if you're going to be barrel racing her or what, like, what's Well, going this on? other mare, she's 15 hands, really good bone, really big feet. Um, she's been ranched on. She kind of, um, missed, she missed the opportunity to really make the super stakes this year, which I feel like eh, it's unfortunate, but. It takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. But what she is is like, if you see her, she's the full meal deal physically, and she's going to be one that we could head, heel, break away, barrel race, trick ride, everything on. Yeah. 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 And I really, really want to keep back some of the nice hula guy mares to pull embryos to committed leader. Oh, yeah. That's going to be so cool. Yeah. Right. So, like, statistically, the best cross on epic leader is the Frenchman's guy mares, I think. Okay. And so, the hula guys just make sense to me. They are yep. extra special. And like people are realizing these studs that continually produce good horses and then they don't stand at stud anymore. It's their daughters that are the next big thing. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So speaking of which, I feel like a lot of people have maybe, you know, seen you post the odd um, photo or on your Facebook page of um, LR Committed Leader. So can you like tell us like how you acquired him a little bit about his like disposition and yeah, just the whole deal on your new stud? Yeah. Okay. So Committed Leader was bred by Jody Nudor. So she bought UX Committed to Fame, mm-hmm. Coco. Yes. And um, she's amazing her. to watch like yes. still to she's- this day. She's just cool. You know, I talked to Lee Hansen the other day, and he had said she was the single most easiest feral horse they've ever trained. They got oh. her, and like three months later, she was winning slot races. Really? Oh, that's that's nice to hear. Yeah. So Jody got her, I believe, the end of her four-year-old year. Um, she's just like a very cool, gritty mare. Mm-hmm. And then Jody, the next spring, flushed embryos on her, and so she bred to Epic Leader and ended up getting twins flushed. And so the next okay. spring, she got a Bay Philly and a Palomino Colt. Okay. And so I went to her place to, to look at them, and I was just looking at them. I had no intentions that I needed a horse. And I go and see this Colt, <laughs> <laughs> and I walk up to him, and I'm looking at his angles, and I'm looking at his shoulder and his eye and his demeanor, and the wheels just started turning in my head. I was not looking for another stud, but if there ever was one I could have handpicked and, just, like, designed from scratch it was him yeah mm-hmm. so I uh I told Jody I wanted him and I didn't know how I was gonna make it work but I was gonna make it work and uh so that's kind of what happened I came came home and begged my husband for for forgiveness instead of permission I like that <laughs> I like that approach better yeah it's less <laughs> well, success rate <laughs> yeah I don't know he's probably still mad about it but He's like, well, if it comes out of your horse money, you can do whatever you want, I I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say you have an amazing eye because, you know, you walk out there and look at him as a colt and you're like, wow, I need him. And then, you know, you've been posting a few pictures recently and he's, you know, he's only two years old, so he's not done growing. But wow, he he looks phenomenal at this age even. He's perfect. Like, honestly, he's perfect. He's he's elevated, but not not climbing with his knees just yeah. the angles of his shoulders like very steep he's as a two-year-old has a wither my yeah. first ride I put on him he did not feel like a two-year-old like he could already pick up his front end and has shoulder movement and drives his hips and his hind leg right up underneath him like all that stuff that we train our barrel horses to be mm-hmm. he does it naturally naturally oh and you said so he was I, he was pre- he took it in stride too like he was really nice to work with this whole time that you started him as well hey he was really nice to work with. Yeah. yeah. Like normal baby, but no buck, no bull. He really likes his people and wants to trust his people. Yeah. So I, I normally would send out a cult, but I know that stallions are intimidating. And I thought, meh, I, I feel like I go slow enough for long enough. I wouldn't have any trouble. And I felt like if I had sent him out, he'd have come back and he'd have felt foreign to me. And I didn't want him in particular to ever feel foreign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. you guys have a good bond going on. Yeah. So, like, what's your future plans with him? Like, are you going to be running him and and everything? Well, you know, I've made so many different plans, and sometimes <laughs> I make a plan, and then I feel sick about it and lose sleep, and then I think on it and make a different plan, and then I see if I lose sleep over it. <laughs> yeah. He needs to go to Pink and Ruby Buckle. I know yes. that much. Yes. Um, He's been approved with some pretty high-end American trainers. Oh, cool. So I'm just kind of deciding, like, what is the best path for him? 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is it is it best if he's a big fish in a little sea and stays in Canada, or is it best if he's a little fish in a big sea? Is it best if he goes to a high-end trainer but becomes one of 25 that they have in? Yeah. Or is yeah. it best if he goes to someone with a little less brand name but gets to be their number one because they're really motivated to do well? Ah, oh, so many decisions. Wow. Flip yeah. of a so coin. many decisions. There's and no I, wrong one. I, exactly. Yeah, well, there's no wrong one. You know, I just need to do what makes that lets me sleep at night. I see him as more than just a horse, which I know can be bad. To me, he's probably the closest thing I've ever had to a son. And these decisions <laughs> do matter. Yeah. They do yeah. matter. Yeah. I um and he's not a gelding. So stallions are not like geldings. You could say you want to treat him like a gelding and they should stand by a mare in heat, not do anything. But at the end of the day, they are a big hormonal beast mm-hmm. that is looking to get themselves in trouble. So they can't be treated like a gelding. Yeah. And so it really matters to me that they can go to a place that is well equipped to look after a stallion. And so this year, you actually, you are crossing some mares on him for the first time. Well, that's the plan. So I see lots of people with junior stallions, same age as him, announcing in, say, January stud fees on their studs on their on their babies that haven't yet been collected you don't know what their numbers are you don't know what their maturity level is yeah and I just refuse to do that um wait it out and see well I want to know what his numbers are and I don't want to him to have the pressure of meeting a mare's deadline on the other end of the phone call so like that can be really stressful for a baby and they they really are still babies at two Mm -hmm. um so, like, we've been, we started collecting him this week, and I'm, I am so thankful, because he's a very mature two-year-old, his scrotal size is quite big, um, he's got good semen count, but I'm so glad that I don't need to do it at the timeline of a flight that needs to be caught. Yeah, way more pressure. he's a baby, and he's learning, and, you know, he tries to jump on the phantom, and sometimes he gets crooked on it, and... Like the whole goal for this is just like anything we train them to do. It's that they leave with confidence and have a good experience. Yeah. But if you put young stallions under the pressure to meet someone else's timeline, you could have a monster for the rest of their life. Yeah. They could get angry. They could get mean. They can start self-mutilating. Self-mutilating? Um, okay, stallions well, will self-mutilate if they're not happy. Like, I mean, bite themselves raw. What? Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, an unhappy stallion is something that no one should should ever create and it happens and a lot of it happens when they are unhappy in the breeding shed no way that's crazy so this whole breeding season is basically yes I have mares I'd like to get crossed on him Mm -hmm. Um, I've invited two or three outside mares to his book for this year Um, but if it's not going to work it's not going to work and all those people I said like if I can make it work that's fine but otherwise I'll breed your mare to hula guy which is still really pretty phenomenal yeah. Um, I, I just not going to risk him, you know, if he's having a bad day, like even today we're collecting, I ha I, my friend Frankie Harrell is up from Texas and I helped her train her stud on the Phantom. So I asked her to come help me with my stud because I just wanted someone with a lot of confidence with the stallion. Yeah. But I only had her for three days. So we're collecting this morning and it's snow and sleet and disgusting and minus four. And normally I wouldn't collect on a day like that. Yeah, especially with a young stud, right? Like you want everything to be ideal. And we did it anyways, but no, it wasn't the best experience for me or him. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, little things like the phantom was cold. It probably didn't feel like a real mare. He's standing in mud. Yeah. Yeah. At least men don't have like quite those uh, environmental <laughs> mental issues with it usually, but <laughs> maybe well, a, a young one's dead. When, <laughs> when he gets to be a mature horse, a lot of that stuff will bother him less. Yeah. yeah. But right now he's a baby. He notices everything. Mm-hmm. Hula guy comes into the breeding shed with a man growl, nickering for the mares, chest puffy. He knows his job and he's about to do it. Uh-huh. Committed comes in there like a timid boy. Scared. He's a mare. <laughs> He's kind of excited. He looks at the geldings across the fence. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And then it's raining and it's cold. It's just like not sensory overload. I mean, just, he, yes. he'll figure it out, but I'm just not doing it on anyone else's timeline because that's stressful. You yeah. just have to start braiding his hair, Ashley. Teeth <laughs> <laughs> uh, is back. <laughs> you got to explain that story for people that don't know. Ashley, explain. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> I've handled lots of stallions, but this is the first one I trained and hauled. And I uh, was at the arena the other day braiding his mane. He was almost falling asleep. I was like, this is good. He's like, he's liking this. And I'm braiding, braiding, braiding. Took a long time. Finally, I noticed his hips start thrusting. (laughs) And so I get off my stool and look underneath him. I'm like, oh, my God. He's doing that right now. Right now. And I'm braiding his mane. So... I was like, well, do I, do I, do I stop it and frustrate him? Like, what do I do? <laughs> I smucked, I smucked him with a brush in the weenie and made him quit because I was embarrassed. I was kind of felt taken advantage of. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Frankie and I were joking about that when we were in the breeding set today. I was like, maybe I should just start braiding his mane. Yeah. <laughs> if it works, it works. Make him feel comfortable. <laughs> Anyways, we got, we collected him day one. Low volume, high concentration. Day two, he didn't, he like, he had a pre-ejaculate. He didn't finish. But I was happy because at least he got on the phantom. And then day three today, we were like, almost completed the mission. And the bottle came off my AV and fell in the dirt. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. That's got to be sad. I I don't know what happened. I don't know if we completed the mission. I didn't have enough to work with to test it on my eye sperm. Anyways. He went back to his pen mad at me, and I went back to my lab mad at me, and that was the end of it. <laughs> poor guy. Yeah, like, poor guy. I feel bad for him, too. <laughs> um, speaking of hula guy, the OG, um, I know, I don't know if, if Stevie was telling us this or if you had made a post, but you were thinking about limiting or even maybe closing his books. And can you, like, talk to us a little bit about that? Right. So... I didn't necessarily close his book, but I was put in a position this year where I really needed to limit it. Um, so I need to be gone lots of weekends. I have a lot of mares on site. That's and true. then last year was kind of a nightmare in a lot of ways. I had mares that should have caught didn't. Mm-hmm. And I have way more rebreeds than I would like. So oh, okay. it limited my ability to take a whole bunch of mares on site this year and still keep my sanity. Yep. Yep. Um, so I'm trying to clear up those rebreeds and what I, I feel like I'm at a place with him where I need to take fewer mares on site and get a whole bunch of frozen semen because I hardly have any. Okay. Um, so if anything were to happen to him, I don't have reserve tanks. Yeah. Um, so my plan this year was to limit the number of mares and take, um, take all my time, all my extra collections to freeze because typically in a breeding season, there's 
every collection gets spread so many ways that I don't have enough leftover days to freeze. To save. So I'm going to take those days this year to freeze semen and take fewer on site. Um, so like, how did I do that? Well, I started like firming up my mare requirements. Okay. Um, I knew it would probably upset some people. Probably hard to do for that sure. That would be hard to do. It is hard to do because every horse is someone's hard horse. But at the end of the day, do I want to make the breed better or yeah? Like, and you what do, do want to work? What your do ass I really want to do at the end of this? And like, I feel like he's deserving of the best mare. Yes, he yeah. he really is. Yeah. So like, for example, I was visiting with a lady the other day, and I had bred a mare for her, and really nice lady, well known people. Bred a mare for her that wasn't really a name brand mare, but I knew they go on and do good things with their horses. Mm-hmm. And so I bred the mare, and it had a, had a colt, and I asked her how that colt's doing. Oh, he's so bad, she said. So bad. <laughs> what do you mean he's bad? Well, she said he bites, he kicks, he strikes, he's rotten. You could hardly handle him. Um, she's like, we sold him to so-and-so, but we let them know exactly what he is. I was like, well, why, why is he, like, hula guys aren't like that. Like, why is he so bad? I said, what was the mare like? She said, oh, took us till she was eight to get her broke. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> I was I like, did. oh, man, like, I know he's crossed on some renegade mares that had nice babies, but I don't need to be doing, like, for $1,700, was that, was that worth it for me? No. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, whoever sees that colt down the road, no one is going to say that's a daughter of this mare and she was a bad bugger. They're going to say that's a hula guy. Yeah. yeah exactly. that's how it and goes, I yeah. owe it to him. I can, I can do better for him than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the freezing process, you, um, I think when we were there and did the tour that day, uh, we, I think we, we know we did a collection and looked at the cool stuff and, um, mm-hmm. but you said it's a bit of a process to freeze. So, um, like, do you, do you feel comfortable doing it there? Like, can you do it there or is that something that you, you can send, yeah, send I, away or? No, I do everything on site. You do it there. Cool. So that's part of living five hours from a repro bed is you do everything yourself. Yeah. Um, so the freezing, basically you collect the semen just like you would for a cold collection and then you centrifuge it. And you take the sperm and spin it in a centrifuge at high rates of speed until it turns into like a little ball. Yeah. And because you want to separate the sperm from the seminal plasma because seminal plasma will kill sperm if it's in it for a a long period of time. And it doesn't freeze well, the seminal plasma. So then you take the sperm pellet and you resuspend it, meaning put it in frozen semen extender. The frozen semen extender is designed to to withstand the cold temperatures of liquid nitrogen. Okay. And then you load it in straws and put air bubbles in it. And then you, you slowly cool it first and then you put it in the nitrogen vapor and then you freeze it. Wow. Then before you put it in the tank, you're going to, it's going to be frozen by then, but then you're going to bring it back to life, warm it up and test it and make sure it still has motility. And the motility you have when you warm it up again, is going to determine how many straws it takes to make a dose. Mm-hmm. So you want half a billion progressively motile sperm. And then you load it in straws accordingly. So it is a process. It It, takes like a half day to freeze. It sounds Mm -hmm. like it. But it's worth it. A collection. So how many, like typically, how many like doses can you get from a collection of frozen? Is it the same as cooled or you can do it with a bit less? Well, so frozen, you're going to want to inseminate within four hours of ovulation. Right, right. But so you're, you're working with the same numbers to start. Let's say a stallion has six 
six billion in his ejaculate. And then we're going to say after you freeze it, you have 50% motility. That's going to take you to three billion, progressively modal. So three billion, half a million a dose, that's six doses, six mares you can breed. Okay. Oh, cool. If you're at if, if you're at fifty percent motility. Okay. Um, interesting. But it just depends. Your motility is going to determine how many straws. The straws are half cc straws, so the motility and the volume each stallion gives you is going to be different. And that'll kind of so that all that. needs to be calculated once you know what you're working with. Yeah. Cool. And then in terms of other technology, I think last time we talked. Um, we touched a little bit on it, but um, it was still pretty fresh. But the embryo transfers. So, are you doing a little bit more of those now? We are. Yeah. So I went down to Oasis Ranch in Texas and learned from Marilyn Browning bowling. And um, so we did. We did a few embryos last year, and it was it was awesome. It was so cool to flush an embryo, see it in a petri dish, mm-hmm. put it in a in a in a recent mare, and then like. A few days later, be able to see it turn into a viable pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is quite so, amazing. It is amazing. It's unbelievable to yeah. see. Like it's like almost microscopic, and you see it in a petri dish. It's unbelievable to me. I'm yeah. still like I failed grade twelve science. I failed grade ten science. I should not be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's funny when you're passionate about something. Um, your yeah. ability to learn and do good work in a, in a field changes, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah so cool and so but, yeah, when, we, you, when you said you did some was that was that down in texas or is this on your on your farm yeah no at home here i went down to texas and just i learned the procedures from maryland yeah. and then i had to come home and get my feet wet and do it myself Yourself. oh cool that's really like cool. the biggest thing about embryo transfers i mean there's a lot to it there's steps but it's the ultrasounding being very good with ultrasounding so you got to thank your recipients and donors um, the thing is, they need to be ovulating on the same cycle so that their hormones are similar. Right. Yeah. So your donor mare, the one you're going to pull the egg from, um, and then there's a recip, a multiple recip, hopefully, because they don't always line up the same. And that mm-hmm. recip needs to ovulate either one day before or three days after the donor mare. Okay. And so, so yeah, mo- I need to know ex- would be key. Right. So I need right. So there's going to be probably three or four mares I'm thinking together. So that's multiple multiple ultrasounds a day no um, kidding so then um and like there's there's drug protocols you can use to try and make sure they're all synced up um but you still need to be checking them mm-hmm. and then you need to know exactly when that donor mare ovulates because you need to know like within a for sure 12 hour window when you need to flush that embryo out because if you miss the window it's either going to be too small and you won't even see it or it's going to be too big and it's going to be hard to work with mm. and and fragile at that point. When they get too big, they're harder to transfer. Your rates go down. Yeah. So I try and hit them on day eight, early day eight. Okay. Is and when I would flush. And are you going to be like att- attempting quite a few this year? Um. So I'm doing lots of my own. The ones I'm doing of my own are the riding horses. Okay. And then I have a few mares, like a bit of chick unleashed. Her mom won Calgary Stampede three times. Oh, yeah. So... Well, a mare like that, what I would like to do is do it like a one embryo and breed her back every year so that every year she can have a hula guy and a committed leader. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then I can reduce my numbers a little bit, but like, mm-hmm. uh, like how cool will it be next spring to have that mare have one, <laughs> one hula guy and one committed leader. And then I get to see like what each stallion throw is compare them side by side. Yeah. That'd so be awesome. With the same mare, same yeah. year, same Yeah. Hair. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Yeah, what do you think? Like, so as a breeder, and you put all the man hours into all the chores, all the money, everything that you're Mm -hmm. up fronting, Mm -hmm. how do you feel about the horse prices right now? Because I feel like they're finally being deserved for all the people putting all the work in. Yes, and the money and the time. Let's talk about this. Well, okay, so I, I have... I have mixed feelings. I feel like it's good. The prices need to get better. The prices in the past have not made any sense financially. Um, I also feel like the the big market right now is not for performance horses. It's for gentle horses. Yeah. Okay. So what we're seeing is draft crosses bringing $25,000. Yeah. So like the Top Gun sale, cough, cough, (laughs) mini pony going for (laughs) $22,000. The gentle horses that anyone can get on and go. And yeah, my yeah. opinion on that is that um, the high-end performance horses probably aren't the gentlest horses. They're not bred necessarily to be gentle. They're, mm-hmm. they're bred to be athletic. They're bred to be superstars. And so the guys that can get along with those high-end horses, the guys you would think would be buying them, they don't buy them. They don't spend 25000 on that because they can make their own. That's true. Yep. So the guys spending $25,000 on draft crosses are guys that can't make their own horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would let, like, like honestly, it's almost discouraging to see the to see horses that are have no pedigree grade bring twenty five thousand dollars because someone can log a steer on them and carry a tarp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. do you feel like like I feel like when I look on Facebook though I don't see those prices for draft crosses like I totally saw that at a Top Gun sale mm-hmm. but then you look yeah. at like all the barrel racing stuff and you see horses going for 40,000 now and like that's awesome like I feel like like yes all it's the like, miles like down us, the road yes like that. all that is finally going into it but I definitely see yep. more of that on Facebook like the Top Gun sale I saw a lot like pretty much anything draft cross was going yeah. for 20,000 plus but now right. like looking on Facebook and stuff I don't see those horses going for that like on an everyday right. price point but I do mm-hmm. see a lot of the barrel horses going for a lot more which makes me happy mm-hmm. that I bought my horse at my time but like <laughs> at yep. the time I did but yeah no it's it, I finally feel like you guys are getting appreciated for your efforts mm-hmm. I think I think it's getting better for sure I think the math still isn't adding up like it should and like a prime example would be the mare I just sold to the state yeah, that mm-hmm. didn't take long. Hey, no, I feel like I seen the snap premiere thing. thing and then it was like a couple of days later it said sold. I was like, oh, sweet. I didn't get a, one single inquiry from a Canadian. Not one. Wow. Really? I got a pile of inquiries from the state. Yeah. And really? she sold within the week to Texas without a pre-purchase. Wow. Like just the easiest, simplest sale. Um, <laughs> yeah. Easy. It's easier um, to do it that way almost. Yeah. Well, I just. Like, why, why would it, you tell me, why would a Canadian not want her? Why would? Well, yeah, like, it, why wouldn't you want her to stay up here, you know? I don't know. But it's just, it's a little more booming down there. And yeah. A little it's more. Booming. Yeah, it's booming. It's, it's not the, the money. Greatest. And Canadians yeah. are, the Canadians, honestly, well, they're there's cheap. less money up here. We're I mean, not there's used money, to but there's now. not money like the state. Mm-hmm. No, there's, where, especially with all of the cost of living, like, up here right now, and, like, how cold mm-hmm. it can be and how high our our power bills were in everything this year. Like I just feel like Canadians had a huge hit on like all that. Yeah. Yeah. And we have millionaires up here, but they have many, many, many millionaires, land owning oil. Oh yeah. Millionaires. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so it is interesting. The Canadian market's improving, but it still has a long ways to go for sure. Yeah. 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 Even selling babies last year, like I would have people call me from the States and, 
they didn't mind the prices, but then people in Canada, it was like, oh, they hear the price and then they, they're gone. You know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and I feel like, I feel honestly, like you you teach people how to treat you. Mm -hmm. And if we want the price to go up, we need to be firm. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, it's they true. are worth it. And if they're not worth that to you, then they're worth it to me and I'll yeah. keep them. Yeah. I mean, we can't yeah, really. I, I never have to keep them all anyways, but I know what I had my babies priced at last year. I can't afford to sell them for that this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And you shouldn't I mean, have to. No. You shouldn't have to. Like there's no reason why horse trainers and breeders should live below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Seriously. They're doing who, all the hard work, yeah. Who was who was it that we were listening to? Was it us that we did a podcast with or did I watch some video about how to price like yourself as like a horse trainer and like ugh, I forget. There's but, one guy on TikTok that's really good, but I was um Clint Anderson did a podcast. Oh yes, on that that's who it was. Oh my god, his oh, podcast. Yeah. This was his like, was funny. His was I did not expect that. It was a little like, out there. It yeah. was it was a little out there. Yeah, it was uh I enjoyed it. It was, it was truthful. It, it was, was entertaining too. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm thankful that sometimes people will call a spade a spade because it's the truth. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. sitting there this morning. I, well, I've had multiple moments this winter. What, you know, one, it's minus 55. I'm going out there draining mares. Minus 55. My eyelashes are freezing shut. And, and same as today coming out here. It's sloppy. It's muddy. Everything on me is muddy. I'm melt testing mares. They're muddy. I feel sorry. Everyone's shivering. I can't blanket 30 head of horses. (laughs) And what goes through my head in these moments is the first person to try to get me down on my price on a colt. I'm going to remember this moment. Yeah, no kidding. You should just take a video of like every single thing you've done leading up to that uh, colt. And then they'll be like, yeah, these are all my selfies of all the work that I've done. So (laughs) this is my proof that this colt is worth that much. And if you don't like it, then like go find something else. Yeah. (laughs) People don't consider the cost of your time. No. Like I am. When you had kind of told me the outline of things we'd be talking about today, I did a brief little write up of the cost. Yes, that's a good question. I was just looking at that question yeah. on this topic. Hey, so I'm going to say most hay was $200 a bale this year. Mm-hmm. If you yep. got it any cheaper by the time you delivered it to your place, you were $200. Yeah. I mean, I was getting hay from five, six hours away oh. just to be able to get enough. So I'm going to say the average broodmare is going to eat six bales of hay in the winter. Mm-hmm. And at $200 a bale, that's 1200 bucks. Then the grain and mineral is going to be grain, mineral, pellets. We're going to just say 50 bucks a month, so that's 600 a year. $55 a trim every 12 weeks, 660 Um, Vaccines, $100 a month. Dewormer, de-licer, incidentals, 100 bucks a year. Uh, pasture, if you got to rent pasture in the summer, a buck a head a day, we'll say for four months, 30 bucks a month, that's 180 bucks. Teeth. I don't get my broodmare's teeth done every year, but I'll do the mares every three years-ish, and it's usually $300 a head, so we'll just say $100 a year per head. Okay, yeah. Um, so that mare care cost per year, just to look after your mare, $2,900. Just mm-hmm. for the mama. Twenty nine forty. That's just to keep her alive. That's not even the cost of the mare. 
Yeah. So then we're going to do like an average stud fee, $1,500. And that's kind of, I'm splitting the difference between Canadian high-end studs and Canadian average studs. Yeah. Yep. $1,500. Bucks. Um, we'll say you have mare care while she's bring, being bred, 10 bucks a day, 30 days, 300 bucks. Yeah. Um, shoot fee, 250 bucks. Uh, if you have to use a vet, ultrasounds. Vet fee is I've seen, you know, anywhere from 500 to 1500 but yep. we'll just split the difference and call it 1000 Yeah. Yep. So that's $3,050. Okay. So what you have into your <laughs> what you have in right there is 4250. Yeah. Wow. That's 4250. That's... that's not taken into account the cost it costs you to buy your mare. So let's say you got a real nice brood mare. She wasn't a Trace's daughter, but she was well bred and young. She's going to give you 10 babies. You pay $10,000 for her. Mm-hmm. Um, that's $1,000 a year for your brood yeah. mare. You get 10 babies out of her. So then you're up to fifty-two fifty. Okay. Now the things you're not considering, you you're not boarding this horse somewhere. You need to own a horse property. That horse property is going to be higher value than an apartment in town. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You're going to have higher taxes. You're going to have a truck and trailer. There's going to be tires and repairs. There's going to be fuel for your tractor to get your horse feed, your quad or your side by side. I mean. Vet emergency vet cheap- bills that you don't expect during the <laughs> during the year or rebreeds maybe or losses too. yeah like if you losses. not every mm-hmm. not every year you're getting a full out of them we're right? gonna say mm-hmm. we're gonna say fifty two hundred minimum is like your yes minimum and wow. people want to buy babies for forty five hundred mm-hmm. or less <laughs> yeah. yeah or less yeah like, honestly it just the math does not add up. And then no. I haven't even accounted for my time. And the incentives, yes. if you like own the, the set. Too. Yeah, the incentives. Oh, yeah, too. we've yeah. heard about that. Yeah. The incentives, yep. That's your, really, well. your time at 30 bucks an hour for the hours that you spend on that mare in a year, that's a lot more. So you don't mean that these babies just don't like pop out of the ground, <laughs> free of charge, <laughs> nowhere? No, like, no. Like you would think kidding. they do, but yeah. honestly, it, to do it right. And like I said, I was conservative on some of those prices. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have big vet bills. Yeah. And uh, I didn't have big vet bills. My feed was average. Okay, so I just sent you guys a picture. Okay, we're pulling you an idea. Here. We should put this on the post <laughs> or like have the breakdown. Tell me where you want me to send this picture. Oh, I have I have one picture of like, it's like cards or like uh, yeah. papers. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is the part of breeding that. I'm always hesitant to tell people because they they'll be like <laughs> they won't they won't pay me for stud fees because they'll be like that's stupid. <laughs> the pile on the left was 2020. I don't know 2020. Yeah, 2020 mares that I bred that carried a foal, had a baby, and and lived, and baby and mare were healthy. Yeah. The pile on the right was the instances where either the mare or the baby died. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's a lot. And that's this a is lot. this is on this is for clients as well, or this is on your farm. This is this is all anything Everything. Hula Guy bred here. That's that's yeah, or the year before. So I'm just saying, like, <laughs> so last it's... year I lost one, two mares, three mares actually, and two babies. Oh my yeah. goodness. Oh no. So the babies were fillies that I would have valued at ten thousand dollars each. Yeah. Anyways, it was is a year of at least forty thousand dollar losses. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That that's another thing we haven't accounted for Factored in the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. 
And every year, and I- you know, maybe that was a bad year, but every year there, you got to kind of expect that there, you know, probably will be a little bit of a loss. Yeah, mm-hmm. so for sure. You have to factor a bit of that in too, for sure. For sure. Like every year I've lost either a mare or a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes last year was exceptionally bad because we lost. Um, well, we had clostridium on site, mm-hmm. and that was just a nightmare to deal with. So we lost two two babies before they were a week old. Oh no, oh. that's but, like, like an infection type thing, or so clostridium perfigens. It's a bacteria mm-hmm. that is carried in the horse's poop that isn't always carried on site, but once you have it on site, you have it forever. So when the foals get infected with it, it becomes a disease of the foal and turns into basically, I'm going to say like a colitis of the large and small intestines. So the foals get really sick, really quick. They get a bloody diarrhea and die very quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. So- um, and there's not much. We did send one foal to a vet hospital in Edmonton. We put $6,000 in and a week later she died anyways. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's hard to avoid because it's in the mare's poop, right? Yeah, so yeah. we try and like, we've had to change our biosecurity measures now, spraying Vercon on everything. Like if there's a poop in the mare's stall, it gets picked right away. Okay. I was we wash say, the yeah, how do you manage, how do you yeah. manage? Yeah, we wash the mare's udders before she falls, make sure that like they're super clean so that like if she was laying and poop, the baby's not going to get any of it that way. Okay. But it's very hard to manage. Oh, I'd imagine yeah. so. Yeah. I was talking to the vet. They said at, at farms in Kentucky where they like pull out a lot of thoroughbreds, they actually will plastic wrap the stalls. Oh, wow. What? And then when plastic. that marriage and, and uh, full changes, yeah. switch hmm. the plastic. That's like some Dexter shit. <laughs> it's very, it's unbelievable how finicky they can be. Yeah. Um, and it, may, it just makes it really stressful because once they get sick, it's hard. They're just so vulnerable, right? Yeah, it's hard for them to come around from that. Yeah. So it was yeah. pretty devastating to get that last year. Yeah, the, the babies would seem a little lethargic, but you weren't sure, and you keep a close eye on them. The next thing you know, the one didn't really have a suck reflex, mm-hmm. and that's when we hauled her. Well, I had Catherine Case come out, and we we checked her blood cells, and then we took her to the hospital in Edmonton. But the other one was really good one night and the next morning I just found her dead oh yeah yeah and like sorry go ahead it's just very typical of that disease for them to not live very long once they get sick yeah Mm -hmm. and the other thing about clostridium is we don't have a vaccine so the cattle guys have a vaccine for their cows but we don't have a horse vaccine (sighs) the other problem is is if we need plasma up here, it's like seven hours away to even get plasma. So yeah. to get it in a timeline that's appropriate to save a fool's life isn't very likely. So yeah. the best bet for us is prevention. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of like other things that are, you know, that can hopefully not go wrong, but sometimes do, um, red bag scenarios. Do you want to talk, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about that at all? And just maybe if people are fooling out at home, like what to look for and how to handle it, or maybe yeah. where to look for some information on that. If you Okay, so red bag delivery basically is a premature separation of the placenta from the uterine wall. Okay. Okay, so when a foal is being born, the first thing you should see is the feet coming out and then a water sack surrounding the feet. The water sack is going to look white and have like fluid in it. Clear. That's very normal. If 
if your baby is presenting and you're not seeing that white snack, you're seeing something red and velvety, that's actually the placenta that hasn't ruptured yet. So if the placenta is separating from the uterine wall and hasn't ruptured, that hole is being deprived of oxygen. So you need to get them out and you need to get them out right away. There's no waiting for a vet. There's no waiting for a vet. That's an emergency. That's a... Whatever you've got handy to rip it open, you rip and you pull. Um, those, those babies are less likely to survive at all. Um, but it's also risky for the mare. So mm-hmm. I have had one red bag delivery and it was Stevie's mare. <laughs> we, both, we both had red bag deliveries last year. <laughs> and that was very stressful. And like I had pulling monitors on her vagina that told me when everything was happening. But it was very, very stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, so why would a horse have red bag delivery? It's, it's not very common, but there is some risk factors. One is horses being on fescue hay. Mm-hmm. So fescue hay, the reason it'll cause red bag is it makes the placenta thicker than it should be. And then when baby is ready to come out, physically the force of that should break the placenta so that it comes out, but it doesn't. So it passes mm-hmm. and it comes out in a, in a ball, basically, in the placenta. Um, another reason would be placentitis, which is a bacterial or viral infection of the uterus, which makes the placenta thick or compromised as well. Mm-hmm. So signs of placentitis might be discharge from the mare, bagging up early. Um, if she had a uterine infection in, in advance and it wasn't cleared up properly. Um, and then the other, the other thing you can do is if you have one mare have red bag, you better watch the rest of your mares just in case it was the feed. Yeah. Um, and with the feed, like if it is fescue, that will also affect their milk production. So that if they're it, not bagging up, that might also be a sign. It will affect the milk okay. production. And also, it's not going to be easier to read the signs of when they're going to fall. Mm-hmm. Right. Just uh, nothing's working quite like it should. I was I was talking to the vet at West Hills about Uh that and he said like it's it seems like it is becoming more of a problem the fescue because it's not just the fescue it's the fungus that grows on the fescue so it won't be on the end of fight yeah Yeah. okay yeah so it won't be on all of it but he said it did it wasn't really a problem but he's been seeing it more like he -hmm. never used to if people asked him about it he'd you know oh don't worry about it but now it seems like more people are dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Lately. Yeah. The long type of fescue, not the short grass. stuff. So the stuff you would have in your lawn, like creeping red mm-hmm. fescue, mm-hmm. is not like an endophyte type grass. It's the long stemmed fescue. Oh, okay. Okay. And then I and wonder. It's hard to know. Sometimes yeah. you look at a bale and you pull a you're like, is this fescue? Is it not? It really is very hard to know unless you're the one who seeded it. Yeah, that's really like I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, I just need to seed a field so I know exactly what's in it because. <laughs> but even I then, bought, you have yeah. old grasses grow through, and how do yeah, you like? It's yeah. like you have all sorts of things growing in your hay field. It's not just yeah. that you seeded either. Because like, yeah, I bought mm-hmm. hay this year, and it was supposed to have no fescue, which some don't, but then some have it in it. So yeah. I'm like, well, and you that. know what? The one thing I know doing this is it doesn't matter you're going to make mistakes yeah oh yeah (laughs) nothing's ever going to be perfect it's going to be 
it's going to be humbling and yeah it's just crazy the amount of things that can go wrong and will go wrong. And like, I feel like every day with horses is a life's lesson. Mm-hmm. And there's so many times I'd be like, mm, I should have done that differently. Yeah. And it can be really disheartening, but you just keep on keeping on and try not to be so hard on yourself because that's yeah. life with horses. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. nice. Like we have a good group up here. Like I'm always asking uh, Ashley for help, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's another wow. thing. Don't well, be afraid to yeah. ask for help. <laughs> Don't be afraid to ask for help. And when you do make a mistake, like, honestly, yeah. I remember when I took that, when I first went and learned from Marilyn in Texas, and I, she, we were talking, and she's like, and just so you know, you will miss twins. Yeah. Like, everybody does it. And, like, she told me that, and I didn't really, like, think much of it. <clears throat> and a couple months later, guess what? I had twins. Yeah. And it was, I was embarrassed. <laughs> and. But it happens, you know, Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Vets miss twins. Mm -hmm. Like, people miss twins, and you feel really bad because it is, like, worst-case scenario. Yeah. Um, And you tell yourself you would never do that. And I think back to the time of the ultrasound that I did on the mare. (laughs) I, you know, 30 head of horses and 30 outside horses on site, high school rodeos and all this stuff. Like, no wonder I missed it. Yeah, no kidding. Sometimes, you know, I take on too much, and and it's okay to cut myself a break sometimes. Yeah. because when something gets missed it's almost always on my own and not someone else's horse yeah, yeah. that makes it easier for you <laughs> i yeah, mean not I easier for you but like i know <laughs> you know what i mean less, but still suck. <laughs> yeah 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 so other yeah, like things to watch for going into the breeding season if you do have um like a maiden mare like one that's falling for the first time is there you know, specific things that you maybe watch for or you would be um, leery of for her first time foaling? Okay. So maiden mares don't always follow all the rules. And sometimes, like, I have a legend for every mare that, like, this one likes to go over 350 or this one foals in the 330s. And and I keep keep kind of charts every year. This one waxed for two days and then she foaled. Well, a maiden, you don't have that cheat sheet. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing for a maiden is to try and not let her fall in a herd situation. Okay. So I like my maidens to fall alone. So they have a lot of time to relax and bond with baby. Okay. So I think maidens can easily be confused. I mean, they have hormonal instincts, but say you have a maiden followed in a pasture where there is a two-year-old that is like very curious about the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, at that moment where the maiden should be laying down, relaxing, nickering at her baby, that two-year-old comes up while the maiden gets up, doesn't know what she's supposed to do. Like, it, it totally just changes the dynamics of the whole situation. I could see that. It's kind of like a heifer. Kind of like a heifer. I mean, I had a neighbor, they bred a draft to a mammoth mule. No, oh, wow. to a mammoth donkey, whatever that is. They got a mule. Okay. And they were watching, watching, watching. But they weren't night checking. And they got up one morning. The mare foaled in a herd environment with gelding. And they got up the next morning. Have I told you guys this story already? No, and that, I don't the, ba- no. yeah. the, the baby was sucking on a gelding's wiener. Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> and the mare didn't even know she had a baby. Like, oh, she didn't my even goodness. Know. It, was this big, it was a shire mare. She didn't even probably feel the baby come out on it. Yeah, it just slipped right and out. Just coughed. They and it tried to the get the mare to adopt this baby, but it wasn't happening. She was oh, mad. Man. She was kick it because they missed that window of opportunity yeah 
for that to be a good situation. And the last thing, like, you do not want to deal with a mirror that hates her baby and wants to kill it, let alone a shire that's 17 two hands high. (laughs) No, no. They they called me to come and help. And I went and I see, like, those mammoth feet trying to kick her baby. And I was just like, this, this is a nightmare. (laughs) This is not good. Someone's going to die. Yeah. They ended up, they ended up with a bottle fed mammoth mule basically that's the worst situation you know i wouldn't want to deal with an orphan foal let alone an orphan donkey thing mule i just seen a video of like a person okay this is sidetracked but a person on a like donkey or something and this donkey the guy was off and this donkey was like on top of him just biting the crap out of him and stomping the crap out of him. I oh yeah, they're that. mean. They were Spanish or something. I yeah, I was like, oh. To help. Yeah. That's what happens when you spank your donkey. They get yeah. back at you. <laughs> Sorry for that, but I was just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said they no, remember. I seen, I seen that the other day because the donkey literally was trying to kill him. Yeah, 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 it's insane. Yeah, well, they're freaking mean. <laughs> so, yeah, an orphan donkey foal or mule thing would not be good. Like, I feel like, yeah, or- orphan foals can be bad if you don't handle them properly and, like, show domi- or dom- dominance. Dominance. <laughs> Dom- dominance. <laughs> but, like, a mule? Hells no. Yeah. Eject button that thing. Yeah, no thanks. So, one of the things I've learned about orphans yeah. is that they can drink out of buckets very effectively. Mm-hmm. Okay. So instead of like feeding them a bottle and hand feeding them and letting them think I'm mommy, I hang a bucket and I walk away. Like, Leave them in with a mirror, like an older, you know, gentle but firm mirror that will not let them get away with anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so great when you can get them on a mirror right away. We've we've managed to get all any orphans we've had on nurse mares. Mm-hmm. Perfect. But until they get grafted to the nurse mare, we hang a bucket and walk away. Yeah. So on that but, topic, like mm-hmm. I've in my reading over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, I've seen like some people will actually, you can take a mare like that has not, does not have a full or didn't full out um, mm-hmm. and use drugs. Like as long as I think it said if they have had a full at one point before, have you ever tried that? Mm-hmm. Or do you know if that even, I was? haven't, but it's probably just on um, Peridone, which brings in milk supply. Oh, okay. And then, I have a drug protocol that honestly is like magic. Okay. So one of the mares, I, nurse mares I got last year, Tucker was born. His mom had a torn uterus. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that until she died three days after pulling. Oh. So he got his colostrum, but she did eventually die. Um, I found a nurse mare in Peace River. Her baby had died like five weeks earlier. Yeah. So she kind of had milk, but not really. It was very curdly and like, anyways, she was a good mom and she was kind of depressed. So what I do, I brought her in the stocks and I hit him. Mm-hmm. I gave her Estermate. Estermate brings him into heat, but it also makes him sweat profusely. Okay. And while she's sweating profusely in the stocks, I take all the sweat off of her. And I go around the oh. corner and I wipe it all over the baby until he's saturated in her sweat. Interesting. That is and, then, and then you go in and you manually dilate her cervix. And it's almost uncomfortable way like it would be as though she was delivering a baby through there Hmm. so it's not meant to be comfortable I'm not trying to cause scar tissue but I want her to feel a pressure in her cervix yeah okay and then I bring baby in and introduce him once he smells like her sweat and honestly it was instant mommy knicker wow and he went to her head and he did baby knicker back 
And then he, he was timid about sucking, and he went up, and he thought about it, thought about it, and he went to sucking, and mm-hmm. she let him. And she reached around back and started licking his bum. Wow. Aww. Okay, so did you learn this down in the States, or where did you learn this? I learned this by talking to other breeders who have had wow, to do it. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. What a rewarding yeah. experience. Like, that is, they that call is cool. It, they call it the love drug protocol. I don't have it in front of me. I have to look it up. But I think you give them oxy as well, which makes their uterus contract. Mm-hmm. Oh. And uter- uterus contracts when they're delivering a baby, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't have the exact concoction in front of me, but that's what I did. It was like magic. And then the next day, I kept him in a box all overnight. The next day, I put him in a pen beside some other horses. And honestly, any time a horse would come up to the fence, that mare would pin her ears and charge them. Like, that was her baby. <laughs> wow. And then, yeah, and then I put her on Dumperidone to bring her milk supply in. And he did good. He did really good. He, like, was the friendliest, happiest guy. Mm-hmm. He had got so... Until her milk came in, we still were bringing buckets to him. So you'd call his name, and he'd, like, gallop across the pasture to get his milk. Like, just the cutest yeah. little dude ever. Yeah, cool. It was fun coming to your place last time, and all the babies are running around, running rampant. It is fun when it's not disgusting weather like it is now. In, and then, in a month, it'll, I be know. Super, it'll be super cute around there. It was so there. nice yeah. drying up, and now it's just slop. We got our hopes Lap- up. I was going to say last year, another cool thing we did was the Madigan squeeze. Oh, okay. I had gone to a neighbor. A neighbor's mare had pulled in the middle of the night. They didn't know when. They didn't know if the baby had sucked. So they were close enough. I drove over to have a look. Mm -hmm. A big baby. Like massive baby out of a thoroughbred mare. It was a hula guy baby. Um, And he looked great but he kept going up to the mare and like pretending like he was gonna suck but he just wasn't latching on hmm. so we would like you know i figured he was just a big soggy uncoordinated colt so we put him up there and did everything we could to get him to suck he wouldn't so i milked the mare and gave him a bottle just to get some in him but he still just wasn't really vigorous like i felt like he was yeah he'd go up there and he'd, he'd lick it all over but he never latched so we did the Madigan squeeze on him where you put a rope around their abdomen multiple times and squeeze them, rock them back, lay them down. You wait 20 minutes. And then when you get them up, you loosen the rope and they feel like they've actually gone through the birth canal again mm-hmm. and it almost resets their suck reflex. What? It's so cool. That, yeah. It was like magic. Honestly, it, it was good. pretty cool. That is it so cool. He got up. Got up like he was born. He walked right to the mom and started sucking instantly. No way. Wow. wow. So it's sometimes little things like that that yeah. it can go one way or the other very quickly. But I'm I'm just so thankful when it goes the right way. Yeah, yeah. that's really neat. And all the things you've learned in this yeah. last couple of years, yeah. like these tricks that are just game changers. It's like, how did that even like get thought of to do? Like that's <laughs> no like what I'm like it's nature. Nature. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> How do you find the hula guy crossed on a thoroughbred mare? I hate to say it because I sound stupid, but he crosses good on anything. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see another one of his yeah, daughters, I'm like, my God, <laughs> he throws yeah. all the good things. He, yeah. he's, he throws good bone. I like him on thoroughbred mares. I specifically like him on sprinters because I okay. feel like that's what we need for for barrel horses. But um, some people are against appendix mares. I love appendix mares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love crossing appendix mares on him and, I think some people, I heard someone say once that they feel like the appendixes are worth less money and I feel like they're worth more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you get run 
and runs. You get a little more diversity, yeah. and he's yeah. a freshman's guy on Dax's team. I like appendix mares on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and thoroughbred mares, like, I have one thoroughbred mare, certainly Regal. She won 146,000 racing. She did well at long races. She also did well sprinting. Um, I know he's going to always throw a lot of want to turn. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. okay crossing him. I think where you want to stay away from thoroughbred mares is on a stud with a lot of run, but not a lot of turn. He's yeah. Frenchman's guy and that's the same. Yeah. Lots of turn. They're going to want to turn. Yeah. Cool. Um, speaking of mares, another question on that and just like managing your herd. And when we talk about like the budget and whatnot too, um, selecting like the breeding quality, like that breeding quality stock, and then just trying to manage your farm. So these Mm -hmm. days I see it like in the, you know, the premier horse, everyone's seeing those advertisements these days. There's a lot of, Mm -hmm. um, in utero foals being being mm-hmm. sold so it kind of like makes your mm-hmm. wheels turn like okay so a person mm-hmm. could just have like you know a smaller number of mares and maybe you try mm-hmm. to get a couple babies out of those mares per year instead of having a bigger herd but then you also mm-hmm. have to keep in mind that you need a receipt mare for every baby that you want mm-hmm. that that mare is not carrying um so mm-hmm. what do you think about that as well i think i think you need a special mare for the math to add up yeah yeah, yeah on that so like, okay like Jody Newdorf did it right. I know. Okay, so Coco won enough that she's worth pulling embryos on mm-hmm. because the math will add up when she sells the baby. Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. So if you have, they need to be in demand. They need to have earnings mm-hmm. or the math will never add up. So if you okay. care about procedure, if you care about getting one out of your heart horse, that's different. You don't really care if the math adds up. Mm-hmm. But if you're going for the math adding up, then you need the right mare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like all these, like I know what you're saying, the premier horse and, and these ads, like they're calling them eggs for sale, but what they are is embryos. So an opportunity to pick a stud on that mare mm-hmm. and pay a vet to do the embryo transfer process. Yeah. Yeah. So most of them will say, some of the cheaper ones will say are 3,500. Mm-hmm. You're still going to be like minimum $3,000 in vet fees for the embryo transfer. Yep. And then the stud fee. And so it's going to be a $10,000 yeah. baby mm-hmm. if it works. Yes. And I know personally lots of people who are doing that that have gone three years and not had it work yet. Oh, God. Oh, yikes. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it would be interesting. You see lots of people posting pictures of embryos right now. It would be interesting to see how many of them actually hit the ground in the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, make make their thirty day heartbeat beat check, make hundred days, and then actually turn into a viable fool. Then mm-hmm. how many of those ones are sound and ready to run at four or five? Yeah, and yeah. and so once and like if the if it didn't work, would you have like all those fees over again, probably? And then is there insurance for that kind of thing, or or not really? I think in the states you can insure in utero, but up. Here, you, you can can't. insure once they hit the 30-day heartbeat test. Yeah, and okay. yeah, yeah, it's harder to find up here, though, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the way I see it, it's a lottery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's gambling. You never gamble more than you can afford to lose. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Because you're going to have years where it works out, and you sell one baby for a ton of money, and the math adds up, and you're going to have other years where you lose exponentially. Mm-hmm. So you only pay, play it at the way that you can afford to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And do you know much about the freezing? Um, a, a little bit. I was going to learn to do it this year. I just figured if I had a reset, like it's not, I don't feel like it's super hard to do. Not like ICSI yeah, where yeah. you need a, yeah, but your rates go down every little mm-hmm. step you do. Your rates go down more and more. So yeah, just like semen when you, freeze but I figured it. if I like, if I had one reset for a donor mare and she twinned and I got two embryos, I could freeze one. Oh yeah. That's better, to, better than chucking it out or whatever. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah which one the only question we didn't really cover or maybe when i was just looking here a couple minutes ago was just like yeah. that very first week of uh full care oh yeah yep. and let's mama talk care. about that full and mom care yeah okay so one we want the, the mayor and full to full in privacy we want to attend it it's and we've all done it but you don't want to wake up in the morning and see a baby and wonder mm-hmm. who's the mama and like mm-hmm. they're so sneaky so it makes it hard but you want to be watching them. Okay, so we're going to assume we're watching them because we have cameras or monitors. There's a one, two, three hour rule. You want the fool to stand in one hour, nurse in two, and you want the mare to clean her placenta in three. If any of these milestones haven't been met, you better get ready to phone a vet because they matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the mare cleaning. If the mare hasn't cleaned in three hours, you're going to start administ- administering oxytocin. Anyone with brood mares should have oxy on hand. Okay, because sometimes a quick shot of Oxy will help her release that placenta. But if you don't have it on hand and it's four in the morning and you're three hours away from even getting a hold of a vet, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as soon as that foal is born, I don't wait for them to stand up. I dip their umbilical stump instantly in 50-50 chlorhexidine solution. Oh, so, okay. um, and part of that is the clostridium. I don't want them to get any bacteria in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. If you haven't cleaned your mare's udders yet, you're going to make sure that the mare's udders cleaned, including the crack in between of smegma. Um, on oh, day I know- one, I noticed that last year on my mare when I took her to the vet, I was like, her udder just something is weird between there, and I didn't know what it was. And I let them know at the vet when I when I dropped her off there, and and they kind of they didn't really say anything to me, but I wondered what that was, or if she like had some kind of infection, but it just kind of gets dirty in there. It's the same. It's the same as Gillings getting their teeth. It's dirt and sweat. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's nasty. So, mm-hmm. And you could just yeah wipe it all out. Use baby wipes. Clean it all out. Okay. Um, once you get used to cleaning it, you start cleaning like all your riding horses, everything. <laughs> we back there and give them a little wipe. Yeah. Yep. Um. On day one, I Ivamec all my mares like a normal dewormer. Ten okay. cc's of Ivamec. Um. There's new research that shows that that will help reduce full diarrhea. Okay. Because there is worms that come through in the mare's first milk. Um, and so some people are like, it's full heat diarrhea. I believe it is partially hormonal, but I do believe it also is partially um, worms that come in the mare's first milk. Okay. Yeah. I typically give most of my foals an enema within the first few hours of being born. Uh, the reason I do that is the meconium can be quite hard black. It's the first poop they poop, and they can strain to do it. And if they strain hard enough, they actually can rupture the rectum. Uh. So the enema I use is just like a 30-cc syringe with warm, soapy water. And I'll just put it in the rectum slowly, and they'll almost instantly start to poop, but they'll poop easier. Um, and the soap's going to lubricate as well. So just like an ivory or dish soap. That sounds a oh. lot more professional than the enema we gave Shelby's donkey. 
<laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's that I don't think it's that much more professional. When the poll is 18 to 24 hours or even 12 to 18 hours, I'll do an IgG test, which is like blood work okay. and do a snap test. And it's going to tell me if they got enough antibodies. Oh, wow. And, and um, if it's good, we're good. And if it's not good, I need to order plasma. I've never had to order plasma, but at least if I need to, I know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's also part of our like, when you buy a full from Lacey Ranch, you know that they had all their antibodies and were yeah. tested accordingly. Yeah, um, it all counts from the very beginning, they say. It does, yeah. And if, it, if it's an older mare that I know has lots of really good metals, like I, I do check their colostrum on a refractometer, and it tells me the quality of her colostrum. And if it's really good and I know she's got lots and baby's doing good, I'll steal a bottle from her and put it in my freezer. So if I have oh. a mare that's lacking, I have a reserve tank. Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. Um. And then the other thing is I've seen the poop as it hits in the pen of both the mare and baby and work on everything. Spray, 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 disinfect everything mm-hmm. I can. What do you mean? Like your, your, your pens or your equipment or like the actual animals or? No, the, sorry, the walls of the stall, the floor Stalls. of the stall, any, the bucket. Okay. I just try and keep it really super sterile. Okay. Oh, is that, so that stuff you can spray in your buckets and rinse it out and it's, it's it's safe that vercon stuff those tabs yeah but then i i always wipe it afterwards with water yeah rinse it eating it yeah okay good to know yeah i have that stuff too i had like just some skin like bacterial skin stuff last year so i always have that and i spray down lots of my blankets and whatnot with it yeah well it's supposed to be the strongest for things like clostridium yeah so on my horse trailer too and i rinse it out i'll spray that where their heads go and stuff yeah, and you just you can mix the different strengths of it, like depending how strong you want it. Like it gives you a little legend of what all you want to kill. Yes, on the bottle. Yep. Yeah, it is poison. I mean, you're not going to want to eat it, but you definitely want to disinfect with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should talk about what you have in the CBHI sale this year because we didn't talk about that. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, so I finally could afford to keep back a couple to put in the sale. Ooh. So I, I kept back what I thought was the best. <clears throat> so I actually get two sales spots this year because Committed Leader gets a spot. Oh, cool. So I don't have any babies out of him, so I'm putting a hula guys in his spot. Oh, um, so going in the sale is a really, really nice buckskin cold. Oh. And he's the right type of buckskin. He's got black all the way up to his armpits, long Ooh. black mane, long black tail. Oh, my goodness. Gorgeous. Um, his mom... Is our he's got to be famous mare, cool. kind of Meltonian, and she's a proven producer. Her babies are always big, beautiful, and run really nice. I got her from Sylvia Shirley and Edson. Um, this colt is really nice. He hit the ground big and perfect, so I'm really excited about him. I sold the full sister last year to Bobby Robinson or Jennifer Robinson to our barrel horses, oh. and she got Nora started this year and just loves her she's smart she's athletic she's elevated she's just i think we're gonna see good things from that cross you can tell when when they hit the ground you see them amongst 10 that's gonna be a good one and then i ended up actually doing a deal with mighty peace performance horses and i bought maggie they're smooth as a cat daughter she's a daughter smooth as a cat that has money and cutting money earnings and cutting and 1d barrel earnings and just a really nice mare 
And she had a hula guy filly outside that I bought with her. And that filly was large and in charge and athletic and beautiful. So I'm actually putting that filly in the sale. And she's a Palomino. Yeah. She's nice. I saw you when you picked her up. Mm -hmm. Right. She's nice. She made most of my other babies look five months younger, even Mm -hmm. though they weren't. Um, (laughs) Yeah. She brought them them here. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, my babies yeah. aren't that big yet, Ashley. <laughs> some of them are born extra and some of them aren't. She was born extra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's not Stephanie very many of those like, um, smooth as a cat in Canada, right? Like Shelby yeah. has one mm-hmm. that she's running. Ginger's so the cool. Smooth as a cat were very, very trainable. Smooth as a cat himself, if you watch documentaries on them, they just want to be good. They want to work at the rope horse futurities. They're always at the top and... What I really liked about her is her herself ran barrels and was fast. Mm-hmm. So when I get a cutting line like that, that can be versatile, throw size, and is fast, I get really excited. So I'm excited about Maggie as well. She, um, her first bowl we sold to Wendy Mulligan in Valley View. Actually, Lainey sold her. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then this filly I'm putting in the sale, and she's bred back to Hula Guy again. And then this year I need to decide if she's going to go to the committed or Hula Guy. Ooh, that's her a hard like one. Babies are so oh. nice, but I would like to see committed on a really well, well bred. Maybe she would be one there. that you should. That would be a cool do one. Do both, mm-hmm. and I feel like Shelby should buy that one. Yeah, she <laughs> should. I should probably do both on her, but she's—I don't think she's due till the very end of June. Oh yeah, and it's tough to do both yeah. on them when they're that late. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But if I did one embryo, then I could hold her over and do both next year. Yeah. Yep. yep. Do that. The options are endless. Oh, that's exciting. And I feel like, you know, there wasn't the CBHI sale for a year or two. And it will be cool to come oh, in there with yeah. a bang and to see, you know, some bunch of horses in there again. And it's Yay. sweet that you're bringing some color, too. Yeah. The people are going to love it, that. I'm bringing color. I'm bringing nice ones. And then we bought mm-hmm. a horse walker off a neighbor and we're setting it up as a freestyle walker. Oh, mm. cool. So we're going to, like, they'll fit these babies like they do in the States. I got nice. Lance Isaac coming to help me. He works for Brazos Valley. And oh, cool. we're going to do it right. They're going to look like a million bucks. They are going to be broke and handled and mm-hmm. not, not broke to ride, but they're going to be very well yeah. handled and they're going to yeah. be the yearlings that look like two year olds. Yeah. We, oh. um, we actually recently were just lucky. We signed a feed sponsorship deal with Hoffman. Oh, cool. cool. So we've been feeding Hoffman's for forever and a day, but to be able to sign with them is super cool. So we're mm-hmm. doing a glow up with these babies. We're going to show them from the beginning all the way through the progression of sale fitting them until the end. I'm pretty excited about that. And they're going to help guide me through like how many pounds they get each day Mm -hmm. and exercise levels, that sort of thing. That's cool. You'll have to kind of, you'll have to kind of share some of that as it comes. We started a TikTok in December and all of a sudden there's 30,000 likes already. So I was like, oh man, so we're sharing stuff. So oh, it'll all be cool. TikTok, and we'll just forward it on to our Instagram and, and, and Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, cool. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Canadian horses versus American horses. Um, there is a stigma that our Canadian horses can't be quite as tough. So what are your thoughts on this, and, yeah, why do we have this false notion? Okay, so Canadian horses and American horses, are almost bred exactly the same and anyone who disagrees is lying to you mm-hmm. <laughs> if we really look at it nowadays it's all the same we yeah. share an invisible border yeah um where canadians differ from americans is an opportunity yeah yeah we are fighting the weather mm-hmm. 
so we try and fit 10 months into a two-month season. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, it really limits us. And in the States, you can go down there and we'll say Weatherford, Fort Worth, say Stephenville, Arizona. You can hit a jackpot four or five nights of the week within mm-hmm. an hour of your place. And we just don't have that. So yeah. we are super limited. But if you're looking at pedigrees, it's very, very similar. Most mm-hmm. of the high-end Canadian stallions are bred very, very similar to the high-end American stallions. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say LDS Unleashed, 99 Goldmine, French's Hula Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there really isn't much difference in pedigree. The difference is in opportunity. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the thing so, is, like, the, the Canadian horses that do get that opportunity to go down there and, you know get ridden all winter and then actually go compete down there. They do awesome. So, right. So like Marcy Lay had Halo. Yeah. She went down there this winter and sold her to Lake and Bice. And like instantly, Lake and placed 27th out of 294 at the American. Mm -hmm. And and had pro rodeo placings instantly. That's a Canadian horse in central Alberta. Yeah. Crystal Grad CC, Cassidy Chapman. Crystal Grad and Julie Spruit CC. Mm-hmm. Kathy Chaplin's running that horse. She's sitting really good in there in the NFR standings. Yeah. She's breaking arena records. Yeah. Lisa Zahada right now. She's in the standings. On a, I believe hers is a perfect possibility. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Carmen Pazabon went down there with Rippin' Lady. She held her own. And then when Rippin' needed a little time off, she took Rhymes Girl and she held her own. Yeah. So yeah. these horses are every bit as good. Um, we're limited in opportunity. So... It's unfortunate. It is what it is. The girls, you can definitely tell a difference. The girls that go to Arizona mm-hmm. for the winter and then they come back up here. Yeah. When you get to train those horses without walls to bounce off of, it makes a big yeah. difference. Yeah. Oh, and they're all just so fit when they come back too. Um, mm-hmm. I had rented Thorsby before the rodeo there. <laughs> Didn't show, but I did. And uh, <laughs> Sonda, she came in and met me there just to split the arena time. And she had literally just got yep. back from Arizona like two days before. Yeah. Oh my goodness, her horses are so fit. And she had a four year old there just practicing and just like, you know, so far along. And like, you know, yeah. I, I would argue that our our weather should make our horses tougher, but I do agree. It's just the mm-hmm. the especially, you know, this far north of Edmonton and central Alberta area, mm-hmm. we just we lack with the opportunity of arenas even to mm-hmm. to get to. And the roads is just like a death sentence. So you gotta be careful in the days you choose to three risk your times life. Harder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, the yeah. one thing, the one thing I will say is I've taken clinics before with Americans, and they look at our fourteen-year-old horses and can't believe how young they look. Ours with a little That's bit like of a lighter I- winter maybe have gives them a little more longevity in, yeah. in, in years. Yeah. They just get like a vacation, right. ten-month vacation every year. Yeah, yeah. When I think of like even um, the amount of runs our horses get, it it really does take us three times as long to get them ready. When I think of Pink and Ruby Buckle. Well, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Canadian girls with ambitions to get their horses to those events, so they're buying pink and ruby buckle horses. Mm-hmm. But unless you are prepared to get self, yeah, so that you can like have the same amount of hours in preparation in the same type of environment, it's going to be very hard to compete. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and not just like the time for the horses, but yeah, for the rider. Like we were just talking to, um, how do you say his name? Decio or Decio? Decio in Brazil. Yeah. And he yep. said he has 60 horses in training at a time. Like, he has trainers under him. 
but he'll 60 yeah it's insane he doesn't actually do the training anymore like he just does the runs but he will take 20 up to 25 horses to a barrel race on a weekend and make over 100 multiple runs runs on all of them in one weekend and i'm like okay right now i'm making maybe one a month if that maybe if you're going to everything you can i mean that's the truth of where we live that's the absolute truth yeah it's it's insane the difference but yeah Mm -hmm. and it all comes down to being able to do it practice and actually compete like the more you do it the better you're going to get at it Mm -hmm. and that exactly and that's why you need that war horse that can handle Mm -hmm. all that hauling and yeah repetitive runs and <laughs> i was at actually the vet on monday and we're down in sherwood park area it's like horse mecca so i asked him i was like so like you know out of all the out of all the intense performance horse sports you know jumping and barrel racing like what's the hardest you know what do you think is the hardest sport on the horses and without hesitation he looks up and he says miles on the trailer and i was <laughs> like oh well that's very unfortunate for us and our horses in northern alberta <laughs> no kidding Sex to suck, right? Okay, then. <laughs> well, yeah. I know. I mean, I, I've been trying to convince my husband to move for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I booked a showing at a place down south, well, central Alberta. Yeah. Last weekend, or the weekend of Thorsby Rodeo, and I booked a showing for Friday, and it sold on a Thursday. Oh. So. Yeah. Yeah. But that's far you can't nursing, leave us still, ashley i you're oh gosh <laughs> the girl who wants to go to sundry yeah. i know <laughs> i took the girls we did rimby and thorsey rodeo this spring i was 10 hours of driving those weekends yeah for one oh, yeah. for one day rodeos mm-hmm. it, it just yeah it's me, ridiculous me and shelby literally i think we drove 13 hours or 14 hours in one day because we drove yeah, six and a half well. hours to St. Paul, picked up my horse along the way, did a 14 second run, knocked a freaking barrel and then drove all the way yeah. back home. Like that was just so insane. Well, and really, if we think about it, because this is what we're talking about, but if you did the math and you won the rodeo, you wouldn't even would you have made yeah. any money. <laughs> no, no, you no. wouldn't. <laughs> no, but you'd have bragging rights on Facebook, which is so much better. <laughs> I know. I just, I I am one of those that feels like our industry has a long ways to go. Yeah. And I'm and we shouldn't go broke doing what we love. Exactly. Well, you know that we're not gonna let you leave this podcast until you tell us something funny or embarrassing. So hope you thought of something. <laughs> you know what? I should have known that. Oh, what can I think of? I feel like I already embarrassed myself. Yeah, you gotta do it again. <laughs> oh yeah, the, we did get a pretty good story. If we're allowed to share that the first the, time, the hair braiding one. Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah. oh that's sticking on. One. That's <laughs> oh come on, we got to have at least one more. What else do I got? Have I told you any stories, Stevie? Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> that's the most recent one. I'm. I don't know, oh, Ashley. You... Every time I come there. Like... I just feel like it's so much ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah. It is so much ridiculousness. Okay, oh. wait. Did you guys I all, mean, you all talked about Committed Leader without me. Yeah, we did. You're going to have to listen yeah. back. Yeah. Sorry. He's so beautiful. We talked about her training. He's the only one who's seen him in person. Like, I'm not joking. I I didn't want to stop looking. Yeah, he looks amazing in his photos. And I did see him in TP, but it was. You have to see him in real life. Oh, you saw him in TP in real life. But it was, yeah, you were just leaving, I think, and oh. it was a while ago. Did you see him? Because usually, well, it's not, I have a client horse in that people think is him, but it's not him. 
Well, maybe it wasn't. You were just getting off of Polly, and you for sure had your Trace Ace Mare was there sleeping. I was that was- when I was there, too? Yeah. Okay, maybe he wasn't there. I don't think he was. Okay, never mind. No, he wasn't there. You would know. There would be you no questioning know. it. Yeah. He's extra, okay. extra. <laughs> yeah, he's so nice. But whatever, I'll listen back then. What do you guys have for babies coming? I just have my Barbie Myself. hula guy and um, my paint Dr. Nick Barmere. She was bred to Root Beer's Boots, but she miscarried. Hmm. How old yeah, is she? Right. She's 23. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's embryo transfer year. Yes, I think I am. Go- I I am going to try it. I'm going to, yeah, maybe yeah. Yeah, throw my <laughs> money away and just give her a shot here. And- <laughs> give her shit. Might as well. What are you going to do? You're going to yeah. think about that baby, so you might as yeah. well just do it. Well, I should. Yeah, I have. I. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, at 23, you she might well. be done, but I might get an embryo out of her. Yeah. Yeah. And if you decide to let her carry, just check her regimate levels, her progesterone levels. Actually check them. Because I did. I gave her regimate the last two years. The one year it was successful, and this last year she did miscarry. But I've never actually mm-hmm. tested them. So you hmm. there's you you actually test them. Yeah. Usually so, I test to see if they need it. But okay. so you knew she needed it already. Well, it was just... I guess recommended. Because didn't she have like a less than 50% chance of carrying after her biopsy? Yes. After the actual uterine biopsy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, let's just cover all our bases. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Embryo transfer. Yeah. So I think I'll I'll try that this year and see. Last year when, so she fold, she had a cold. And then um, when they went to go rebreed her, she actually like, she produced two eggs produced produced mm-hmm. she produced two eggs so i had to make sure that she didn't have twins so i'm hoping mm-hmm. that means you know she's still fertile in that way maybe not mm-hmm. to carry but hopefully still you know can produce she's probably way. still fertile uh, at her age it's more like how is her cervix working and does she retain fluid yeah so the cervix working isn't as big of an issue if she's not going to carry herself but managing fluid after you breed okay and just like when they when they do the um, fourteen day checks and stuff, you should be able to see at that point if um, there was any. Concerns. Well, if you do an embryo transfer, the fluid will be after you breed, and then like four days post. So okay. when you breed, you put semen in. Yep. And then they ovulate. Yeah. But that that egg stays in the fallopian tube until like three or four days post ovulation. So the sperm swims up there and meets it and it gets fertilized. So you have three or four days to get all that fluid or inflammatory response out of the uterus. Okay. So there's a window of opportunity there that they can take care of that. Okay. And then you don't flush it out until day eight. So day four, it's going to come down the fallopian tubes and get in the uterus, which you've taken care of the fluid issue and going to let it hang out until day eight. And how do you take care of a fluid issue if there is one? Like, is that flushing or is that like... Flushing and oxytocin. And oxytocin, okay. Fluid in, take all the fluid out. Oxy will help contract the uterus to get any extra fluid out. And then exercise, trotting a mare. Okay. And teasing actually can help reduce fluid. Yeah. So, like, I had a lot of mares on site last year that I would long trot to get fluid out. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Because I feel like oxy is abused and people will just give a mare two cc's of oxy. And I feel like you get away with that for a little while, but eventually their uterus gets fatigued hmm. and it doesn't respond like it normally would. Yeah. So yeah. Um, exercise is very effective. A combination cool. of both yeah. of those would be 
Yeah. Yeah. Literally, it's a lot of ultrasounds to check is there fluid is there not. Mm-hmm. And then if there is, we go for a walk, we exercise, and if there isn't, we're good. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Oh, all the good breeding tips for I this know. season. So many. Love it. Cool. Well, thank you Ooh. so much, Ashley, for yeah. coming on to the Horse Poor Podcast again. Thanks, guys. It was a long, I know it was a long day for you. I'm excited to hear your Brazilian interview. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's going it to be cool. We're like, oh, we it's don't really a- like want to cut out the conversion part, but like, there's a lot of back and forth because Shannon translates our English to him, and then like yeah. his his Portuguese back to English. So there's a lot of repeat, but it's his, pretty cool. It though. is pretty cool. It he gave cool. a lot of like drills and techniques and, and like a, scientific things on like how to insane. get two strides around Very a barrel. Professional. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was. It's good. <laughs> and we kept I'm like... A, I'm excited because it's so different. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. is different. And that excites me. But there's and, different ways to And it's cat. more like more business. Like, you know what I mean? He's all business. He's yeah. all business. We, we're like, we get excited because he's doing a video and we're like, we want to see your videos. And he's like, just wait, girls. Like, we're not done here. We got we got more work to do. And <laughs> It'll be a cool... Yeah, let us know fun. what you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't... Okay, so I didn't say this on the podcast because I haven't let him know yet, but... I booked committed in with um, Hallie Hansen. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then I, I lost sleep over it. Like, seriously, lost sleep. Mm-hmm. And the reason I lost sleep is Lee was like, I'm going to tell you right now, he's not, she's not going to like how collected he is. This is and the like, husband. Yeah. And part of it is I ride collected. And part of it is that colt is naturally collected. He's mm-hmm. got an epic leader front end and he's got a cocoa hind end. Yeah. Um, and I like that. That's what I like about him. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I like. So that's the part that maybe uh, made you second guess was just those comments. Well, so I talked to Kathy Mowry. She doesn't take studs anymore. So she suggested them because they had success on the mom, but he's not really like Coco is a lead with your nose. Cool. Get low style. And he's different. He's cool, but he's not like Coco in the front end. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so I did lose sleep about it. Thinking and thinking. I phoned Andrea Udall. She's like, Ashley, I told you from the start, you you need to be, you're good enough. You start this cult, do it yourself, get help from people who are good, mm-hmm. and do it yourself. And I was like, uh, okay, I can do this. So I talked myself through it, and I did it, and I know I did a good job. Yeah. But then when I, I phoned her after I had booked them in with a trainer in the States, and she's like, Ashley, there's lots of people that jockey that horse if you don't feel comfortable at the time. You need to do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I talked to Andrea, and she's like, honestly, send her to the Canadian roping fraternities, run them in Canada, send them to someone to run at the Pink and Ruby Buckle. There's lots of people to run them. You will mm-hmm. be just fine. Yep. So I was like, well, can I come down and ride with you intermittently just so that I feel okay about everything? She's like, absolutely. Calm down whenever. So right now, I think that's my plan. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, 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 going, and you're going to go to Arizona, right? I'm trying. I'm trying real hard. Yeah. yeah. For those winters before either he's book the kids a bunch of trick riding shows down there or I'm going to find someone who wants me to come do personal embryos and go do repro work. I just need someone to like yeah. give me a place to stay while I can get him rode. I don't need to take yeah. eight horses. Yeah. Like he really is my number one priority. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there comes a point in life where I'm like, mm, I can send him to someone else and he could be one of 20. Mm-hmm. and it yeah. could work or could not but they have nothing to lose either way they're making yeah. 1500 bucks either way exactly. or yeah. i could decide i really don't give a crap and give it my best and let him be my number one and let the cards fall where they fall 
and you've done an amazing job with him yeah, so far. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't feel like I, I know I've done a good job, but I also don't feel like I'm a jockey. Mm-hmm. Um, all the horses I've like done well on or set arena records, I made them my number one, and I made it work. And I didn't. I don't run a whole bunch at once. That's not my forte. And I think I could do okay on him, but I don't want to limit him. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for now I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Yeah. And that there's still some options. I like your plan. And it's a good learning experience the whole way. Go ride with some other people. And for some reason, somebody else jockeyed him at those big events in the States. Like you said, there is lots of people, but you Mm. still did the work before. Exactly. Right. And that's okay. Like at the end of the day, I want what's best for him. Yeah. And for your business. Yep. And for my business. Do I need to send him out to accomplish that? I don't think so. No. Really don't. You're on schedule. We'll see what happens, honestly. Well, now that he's collecting, <laughs> he's a different beast. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, that probably changes things. He's yeah. a different beast, but yeah. that's part of it. And thank God I did start him because if he was that beast and I didn't have the experience knowing he's gentle under saddle, it'd yeah. be kind of scary. Yeah. So, yeah. You guys have a bit um, more of a connection now. It makes that part a little easier. Yeah, I'm not trying to be like 40-something and selfish, like, screw that, that's my horse. Mm-hmm. But... I am. I'm willing to do to do the work that it takes for him to accomplish his goal. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can do it. You can do it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We need to come and see him again. Mm-hmm. I agree. Come see him anytime. Okay. Come see him. I was happy to show him to you at the arena because he yeah. is he is extra and I see it. Like and it's one thing. Like Andrea Fox always says, she's like Ashley. Like you say that and then you see him in person. It's different when you see him in person. I like literally. Yeah. Uh... And he gives. Like, so when you seen him and he, like, gave you that special feeling and Andrea seen him and he gave him that special feeling, um, that's the feeling I got when I decided to buy him. And it, yeah. I can't explain it. It just, he gives you, you think you know till you know. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I'm excited. Maybe I'll have to come in, like, a month when there's some babies on the ground, too. We yeah. can really get a double, yeah. wham- a double whammy fun. ranch double tour. Whammy. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that last part, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to let Lee know I'm not sending him. And part of it, too, is, he can't stay in the CBHI and Super Stakes. And if I really yeah. am passionate about growing board of barrel racing in Canada, yeah. that's the best value to stay here. Yeah, that's true. It's only so if he was to go compete and live long term in the states, he couldn't be in the Super Stakes. Or how? What's that? How does that work again? They need to be in Canada for breeding season. For breeding mm-hmm. season. For like four months of breeding season. Like the whole that, four months, could you go down for a race or no? Oh, yeah, you could go down. You just got to be home April, May, June, July. Okay, yeah. Cool. But yeah. April, May, June. Yeah. I am. Here's the thing there's no way I'm ever going to be able to afford to play the game like some of those Americans do. Oh, yeah. Like, seriously, to get your horse a pink taco spot is $500,000. I know. Oh, my God. It's insane. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's different ways to skin a cat. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much, <laughs> Ashley. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the podcast again. And I don't know if you remember this part or not, but can you take us out of this episode? Oh, fuck. You got it. <laughs> That's our best one yet. That's our best one. You have to. We're keeping that. <laughs> okay. Get rich. Ride trying. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>